Welcome to the Mary's Mentors Podcast. My name is Mary Rose Swan. And I'm Mary Letitia Deal. And this is a podcast about business, life, human design, and whatever the fuck we want. (laughs) You know that we've been talking a lot about human design, and uh, Mary and I are going to have a nine-part series on human design centers. Um, going through all of the nine centers. So we wanted to tell you a little bit about centers. Right. We wanted to give a quick little 101 on what human design centers are. We've both been doing so much reading and research lately about human design. It's pretty fascinating when you get to sit down with a book and just read through it like you're back in back in high school with the textbook. I know nobody was really excited to read textbooks, but I'm one of the nerds that always loved the smell of a good textbook. So why do we want to talk about human design centers? Well, mainly because the centers are what determine our energy type, which Mary is a generator, I am a projector, um, but it also determines our authority, which is our inner decision-making system. So they are very important in a categorical way in making sure that we know a lot more about the similarities between the different energy types based on their definition. Yes, and what is a center? Um, It's one of the nine shapes inside your body graph. So they all kind of look like little triangles um, and each of them governs um, the areas of the body as well as different areas in your life. And um, they will either have a color in them or be white. And that's letting us know if they're open or defined. So how do centers become defined? Well, this is actually what I found out recently was super interesting. The, The definition in our chart is based on active channels between two centers. So if you have two little pieces of the puzzle that, that happen to create one thoroughfare, if you will, one through way between two, that is what will make you have active definition on the landing, the landing pads, if you will, of those two pieces of definition. So if there's not a completion between two different centers, meaning if it's kind of broken, if you will, um, you won't define that that specific center. They have to connect. And you can tell. You'll be able to tell in your chart when they connect because, again, your centers will be defined. Yeah. And if they're defined versus open, like I just said, they're going to be yellow, green, brown, or red. Um, if they're defined, if they're open, they're just a white uh, little triangle or shape there. So we wanted to really kind of at least give you a very limited background on what these mean, because obviously we don't want anyone to be kind of scratching their head throughout, confused on what we're talking about. Um, So if you have any questions about definition, how do you tell if yours is defined or not, you would go to your chart by running a a chart at mybodygraph.com, jovianarchive.com, or geneticmatrix.com. All right. So enjoy this series about the human design centers. Thank you.
Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mary. How's your morning going? Good. How about yours? Uh, well, admittedly, uh, got a little bit of a late bedtime last night, but I'm up. I've got coffee brewing, feeling raring to go. That's good. That's good. It's a beautiful morning out. It's still below 60 degrees and it's mm. just warm. Ah, it's so nice. I've got the window open. I can smell the fresh air. Yeah, me too. Faintly hear the birds. They're not making too much of a ruckus this morning. Well, uh, what you been listening to, reading, watching? What's what's on the media radar today? Oh, media radar. Mostly my normal stuff. Um, armchair expert had a great one this week or this last week, but I. I did come across because I had to switch over from my Apple platform. I moved over into Spotify to start listening to some podcasts. And this one um, popped up stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> Feels very conspiracy theorist, but it's actually super fun. But they just break down. Like right now, they're going through the alien stuff that the government's produce, you know, uh, releasing. And I just think that that's really, it's fun to hear other people's perspectives of some of this stuff that's was a conspiracy theory, is a conspiracy, I don't know, the, the alien thing, everybody's talking about it right now. So I've always mm. known that um, we're definitely not alone in this universe. It's oh, yeah. way too vast for that to happen. I also think we're way too boring and dumb for other species to probably <laughs> want to come actually yeah. invest. They came, they saw, they were like, no, thank you. Peace. That's why I, I know that's, I feel like that's probably actually the case too. And I was always, I loved the movie Stargate. As soon as it came out, I had no idea it was what it was going to be about really. I loved it though. I saw it in the movie theater. What was that? Like probably like 1991 or 1992. Oh, yeah. Such a good one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I loved that explanation of things like the pyramids and that it was technology that was I just I really thought that that made a lot of sense to my middle school brain um, mm -hmm. still makes a lot of sense to my adult brain yeah. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the stargate theory and that is how I believe that aliens probably exist but you're right we are um, dumb as a box of rocks in this universe and um, yeah nobody wants to play with us and we've proven also that we don't play well with others or at least, yeah, humanity. Well, we don't play well with job. each other. Yeah, we don't do a good job with each other. We're not very good stewards of the earth. We're kind of assholes to its animals and plant life. So it's like, why would anybody want to hang out with us? We're toxic as hell. <laughs> We're terrible, terrible. Um, and then the other one, and and it, um, it, she was on another podcast and now I cannot remember which one, but um, she wrote a book, Sounds Like a Cult. And so she's oh. got a podcast with her her, um, her best friend that sounds like a cult. And so they go through things that you wouldn't think about as cults. Um, like um, this week it was MLMs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So they go through modern things that, that sound like, and then they put it through the cult test at the end. Like, is it a, um, do your own thing? Is it a get the fuck out or 
is it a watch your back? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's three levels of cultists and I did those in the wrong order, but anyway, I just think it's a lot of fun too. (laughs) No. Yeah. I think that's great. And I will, Oh, go for it. I was just going to say MLMs came in at the watch your back, which I think. Yeah. I think it's good advice. Absolutely. And I, just because I am, you and I have both been part of various, you know, like pampered chef, everyone is an MLM. Um, (laughs) Tupperware. Tupperware is an MLM. Um, if you do unique or any of those things and you know, that's, I feel like there's, um, obviously the ones and and there are definitely some that are more predatory than others. So it is definitely a watch your back situation. If it's encouraging you to carry inventory of any product, you probably actually want to get the fuck out. Um, but yeah, I am, I, I, I had to really reconcile being in an MLM and having the, that stereotype of the girl from high school that would reach out mm-hmm. to you and be like, Hey girl, um, which yeah, is why I have, that's how they started the the podcast too, was with one of those, Hey girl messages. Hey girl. Oh, I love, <laughs> love that. It was really funny. And it, it, you know, I just love the way that people, you know, You're back. I'm back. Okay. I just, I noted down the time so I can go in and see if that, what happened in the recording. Um, what was the last thing that you said? Oh, just, um, that the only, the only ones that were the get the fuck out in the, in the sounds like a cult were the ones that tell you to stop talking to people who don't believe in whatever product you're selling. And, and that does get on that culty level. I feel like, like you, you don't speak to those people. Like if your mom doesn't want to buy your products, you don't speak to her. That just seems asinine. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, that's like, yeah, that, that is a cult. Yeah. That very yeah, much is. But the thing I feel is like funny is that, but when you're in an MLM, you can, it's not, you're not in a cult. If people just stop talking to you. Yes. Being that's a a normal reaction it's not normal for you to stop talking to your friends and family but it is normal for your friends and family to stop talking to you um yeah i didn't really have a lot of new anything this week i haven't listened to any new podcasts really haven't been reading much in terms of books this week and i um i guess the last thing i would probably say is um if we watch the new Bill and Ted movie, which isn't even that new. And it's, um, I'll just, I'll say that's a couple hours of my life. I'll never get back. Um, I really wanted it to be great because of nostalgia, but nah, it's kind of like the new, the peewee that came out a few years ago. It's like, I'm sure it's probably not as bad as I think it is. But when I see Paul Rubens as peewee later in life, it's just, it's, it's a little bit sad. It's a little sad. Seeing Bill and Ted, older it's kind of a little a little sad that's funny um dax was talking about talking showing his girls pv and he showed them oh yes i saw the tarantino episode i listened to that one and and it just made me laugh when his little girl was like so is he an adult or is he a kid yes like that was always the question but as an old man i can sure assure you that it's probably not the same 
not the same question that kids will have. They'll, they'll be like, is that a man or a woman? Because there's just some puffiness around his face. Just And it's age. It's not anything to be ashamed of. He's just aging and that's normal. Um, but yeah, it's kind of those characters really should not age like the actors do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the, the thing. But yeah, I love that. I thought that was so funny when Quentin told him, well, he done it wrong, mm-hmm. idiot. You need to start with a TV show, not the movie. It's not like it's almost like introducing them to Big Top Pee Wee before you even get to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Like that's completely the wrong order. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> kids especially, I do remember Pee Wee's Playhouse, and that's probably why. That is really why he got so popular, is because mm-hmm. kids really did love him. Like mm-hmm. children loved that character. Um, I loved, I love Pee Wee. I'm a Pee Wee fan. I'm not going to say any disparaging words about Pee Wee because Pee Wee really raised me. Pee Wee was like my other dad. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think if there's any other shows that I've watched that I was like, Ooh, that's good. You should watch that. Not really coming up with any. So yeah, just, it's been kind of a low week in social media or, or in media for me. I just have been kind of in a lull feels good. doesn't feel bad. Mm-hmm. I still listen to the same stuff. So I'll mention that um, I'm about halfway through the, I saw what you did podcast. Um, so good this week. <laughs> so good this week. Um, and Poog. I don't know if you got around to Poog yesterday. Oh, I listened to Poog yesterday. <laughs> so good. It was such a good one. Um, I just feel like there's so much to connect with, with those girls, like the, the um, croissant argument about <laughs> I, I know it's, I was telling someone last night, I'm like, I really want you to start listening to this podcast because I just, I feel like every time they're having a conversation, I, I feel like I'm screaming into the conversation, like, oh my God, I'm thinking of the exact same thing. <laughs> Multiple <Yeah>. times. <laughs> so, all right. Well, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking, uh, we're carrying on with our centers, um, theories and we're talking about the spleen center today um the only thing i didn't put in here mary is where is the spleen located in our chart in the chart the spleen um is on i guess it would be looking at the chart it's on the left hand side it's a triangle and it is it has connections to the throat it has connections to the g center it connects to the sacral and it connects to the root. But interestingly enough, they're going right across is a teeny connection right to the heart. So the spleen is very connected. It's just like with the solar plexus center that we talked about a couple episodes ago, it has seven gates, both the spleen and the solar plexus have seven gates on them. They're both triangles. And connected to many things. Um, So the spleen is all like it, it's all of our awareness, basically, um, or or all of our awareness begins with fear. And each of these three awareness centers are Anya, Ajna, Ajna, spleen and solar plastic. I knew I was going to do it wrong after. As soon as I saw you get to that word, I'm like, she's, she's confident with this word this morning. (laughs) I'm not. This is why I phonetically spell it out. (laughs) Um, But all 
All of these um, centers kind of begin with fear. Um, they, they have their own fear frequency. And the spleen is the oldest of the centers and it is the weakest of the three. Um, basically when cavemen sensed fear, like a saber-toothed tiger was prowling their camp, their spleen was what clued them into that danger and got them into a cave or somewhere that they could be safe. The spleen is also connected to the lymph nodes and the immune systems in our bodies. And that is, and also it's connecting us to um, intuition and time, which we just had a conversation about time very recently uh, about how time just really doesn't necessarily, it's a construct. We, we were just discussing like, if, if humans hadn't created time, would time really exist? Well, yes, it would still pass, but we wouldn't measure it. It was just a very fun, like, we, we had a jazz brain conversation about time <laughs> yesterday. That's the best way I can put it. So for the spleen, the present moment is really all that matters because it's all that it's aware of. Like, it's not living in the future and it's really not living in the past. Um, so it's such a short gut feeling and it usually comes so quickly and passes so quickly. Um, yeah. It, so it's basically like once it's gone, it's gone. And so it's really, it's one of those things that we, that, that is the caveman instinct. It is the instinct, the, the fear in your belly that we used to use to protect ourselves and our energy. Um, I'm trying to think of a time and that's kind of the thing is I'm trying to think of a time where I felt danger and I have a hard time. I just, I don't, I've not, I, I guess that's my thing is that I don't feel, I guess I don't recognize the instinctual, this is danger. Well, I mean, I guess I do because I'm always sensing danger for others, not so much for myself. I think that's the thing is that my awareness of danger is not really directed to me. I'm a mom. I'm always looking at, for the danger to my offspring more so than to myself. So that's a connection I just made. <laughs> well, that's, I was going to bring that up, but you, I feel like you've been listening to your spleen maybe your whole life. Like you've never had that sense to jump off cliffs into water or to, you know what I mean? Like you've kept yes, yourself no, okay. safe since you were young, really by, I feel like, you're like, no, like, I feel like your instant reaction to anything that is too, too dangerous is no. <laughs> oh yeah. That that's probably, that's why I don't feel like I'm connected to that instinct is that my instinct is always no, like just, it is a hard no. Um, hard, hard, no. I mean, there's things that I'm willing, I guess there's been things that I've been willing to set the, that aside for. And that's I feel like a lot of us, Right, you know, again, just like with everything else, rationalizing it and trying to make sense of why the instinct is there. And I don't necessarily try to make sense of why the instinct is there. I just follow it. You yeah. follow it. And that's, that's why a lot of people, I was reading that a lot of people don't start hearing or feeling this really well until their forties. But I was like, not Mary Rose. Like she's been, she's been a hard no on a lot of things that I would have been like, yeah, I will totally do that. Jump off a bridge into moving water. I'm on it. Jump out of a plane while it's moving. I'm on it. Like, mm -hmm. but, but that, that fear for me is, is not quite there. And I think that has to do with me being open. Mm -hmm. 
defined. So I thought that that was interesting. The percentages also, um, since my books didn't say anything about them, that's very even, I feel like, 45 it's and 85%. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty even split, actually, which is, you know, interesting that it would be so even because, yeah, it is one of those things that, you know, half the population is looking out for for the other saying, no, 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 that's too dangerous. You probably shouldn't be doing that. And then the other half is like, you know, bungee jumping. And no, no, no bungee jumping. Yeah. Maybe some zip lining. I'm willing to split the difference on a little bit of zip lining. And I've been repelling. That's about as close as I'll ever get to bungee jumping is repelling. Going down slowly. Slowly. No skydiving. Uh-uh. I no. Mm -mm. Not going up in a plane. I, I would go into a skydiving tube. That's also another skydiving tube. I haven't heard of anyone dying in a skydiving tube. It's the truth. <laughs> um and I, I do want to remind myself, I put a little note at the end to talk about the splenic authority because that is another piece of this that um, I kind of had forgotten. I thought about it, but kind of forgotten, but I just want to make sure. So I've got a note at the end of my notes to, to, to talk about the authority for yes. just a minute. I did skip that completely because I didn't think about it. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to open centers, um, spleen centers, excuse me, 45% uh, of the people are open. Um, people with an open spleen center are more sensitive and may have a weaker immune system. Um, but they are usually able to sense things in others that they don't see regarding their own bodies and illness. So I do feel this pretty deeply. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I've never thought of myself as having a weak immune system. I've always felt like I'm pretty strong, but I think that that's intentionally um, again, as a mother, just knowing that you have to work through anything anyway. Um, but being able to see things in others, I feel like I do point out when people aren't, aren't well, I can usually point it out immediately and tell people to get in and see a professional if they need to. Um, they may be aware of slight changes in the body due to the sensitivities, but also may overlook uh, their own ailments while concentrating on what they sense in others. And mm -hmm. that makes sense. I can exactly. feel immediately if my glands are starting to swell, I can feel that. I'm very in tune with what my body's doing. I'm also in tune with telling it to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Knock it off. I don't have time for this shit. I don't have time for this. Um, open spleen centers do not have full-time access to the much-needed feel-good energy that comes with a defined spleen. Um, so basically, um, when we're open in the centers, it really does depend on who we are around and we get more of that energy from the people with those defined centers. And I found this really odd because my whole household is open. So like while I was raising my kids, all four of us have these open spleen centers. So um, just looking back at some scenarios that made me think real hard on that. Um, but with this also comes unwanted baggage from others around them. So because we mirror and amplify whatever the defined spleens are feeling in their gut. So if they're feeling fear, a lot of times we will amplify that mm -hmm. and, you know, make sure that, and I'm sure that that's purposeful. And again, being this such a, such an old instinct, 
it is purposeful that that we amplify that fear so that we all feel the same way and get out of the fear situation, which is interesting. Um, I was just that kind of brought to mind. It it made me think, and this is just tangent, you know, tangent city, um, tangent corner. If we were on exactly right, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that the concept of fear being amplified and then the um you know especially from the definition with with just a little over half the population defined and a little less than population open it kind of made me think about the fear uh you know that basically media that media has built a business around fear and how that becomes amplified. And I feel like that just, I, it was just a, a, an observation that my brain was making. So I just wanted to make it out loud. I don't really have any conclusions to draw, but I think that that does kind of, in our modern climate and atmosphere, we're not really afraid on the instinctual level, like, oh my God, there's a saber tooth tiger or um, women, I think instinctually, I wonder kind of with there, if there's maybe a little bit of a women tend to feel that fear a lot because of conditioning. We, especially because of the open centers, um, having that tendency to be more, um, prone to be conditioned, but I don't know, just, it was any, do, does that spark anything yeah, in your yeah, part? Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, because in today's society, that is exactly well, women with the, I mean, I feel like amplify that fear just a little bit, but also you nailed it earlier with the offspring, like constantly women are looking out for what could be an issue, what, what could hurt their children. You know what I mean? So they're instinctually looking for that fear, but then you add media in that's saying, well, this could happen and this could happen. And what if this happened? And so it's, it's amplifying that fear for everyone. And I do feel like, gosh, you know, I never wanted to say that media should be regulated somehow, but gosh, darn it. Like, why are they spreading such drastically different views through your different channels of media? And all of it is fear-based in my opinion. Very little of it is actually information-based to educate, which is what our news should do is educate us, not cause us fear. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I was looking at the not self theme because of the fact that there was, um, you know, our not self themes, just in case we haven't talked about this very much in previous episodes is, is really when there's, when there's an open center within that open center, there's usually like a question that's being asked that is, um, like, what am I afraid of? And for like, for example, with um, the not self question for the spleen is, am I holding on to what isn't good for me? And that, I mean, the theme is holding on to what isn't good for you. And then the not self question is, am I holding on to something that's not good for me? And that opens up that idea of we have allowed, we've opened the store in the name of progress for technology to come in and create so much. It's, it's really wedged itself into our lives. It's really hard to push that wedge out. Um, but unless we really do start 
managing how much energy we give our electronic devices. That includes our TVs, our phones, um, our digital watches, our all of these different things. You know that all of the access is what has kept our open spleens just wired with fear so far is access to things that make us fearful. It's, it really truly is. So very interesting. Seven days a week, you have access to that information and Mm -hmm. it is all fear-based information. It is, it's crazy. Um, The holding on segues me right into what I was going to talk about next with those open, open spleens. Um, because it does come with the need to hold on to things, people, relationships, sometimes even grudges and addictions, um, which made a lot of sense to me with it being 45% of the population. Um, that, and all, they, they'll hold on to these things whether or not they are the best for them. Um, and it's because they, they do feel an energy that they're gaining from it. Even those resentment and grudges are pull, you know, pulling some sort of energy. Um, and it may feel like feel good energy, but it's usually not. Um, and again, you'll have to ask yourselves, are you holding on to things that don't serve you? Are you holding on to things that are bringing negative energy in versus positive energy in? Um, whether it be stuff that you have in your garage or the relationships that you have that might be toxic and you need to get rid of. Um, the other thing that really resonated with me is that open spleen centers are not good with time or the concept mm-hmm. of time. <laughs> um, they can either tend to be always late, which is me, or super early if they've had a negative experience with time causing fear. Um, but either way, timing will always be difficulty um, and they'll have to work around it in today's society because time is everything. Um, <laughs> Open center children will feel this deeply. And I believe that we as parents will push the pendulum one way or the other with our own concepts around um, fear and time. And this resonated with me because again, going back to my, my household where I raised children, all four of us had an open spleen center. I have been late. I was born late, literally. I was like three weeks overdue, born late. Um, my mother swears that I'll be late for my own funeral and I won't doubt it because God forbid there even be one really just throw me in the ocean. It'll be great. <laughs> I feel so, like you've always had a resentment of time that I feel like on that level is like, it's that you resent that you've not been given more time or kind of the freedom to move about this with this world in society without the confines of time. And especially I will say with a job that is so time driven now that there is, you know, that, that again, that's <laughs> kind of like, uh, it's like somebody with an allergy to cats working in a cat shelter and, but they love cats, but no, you don't, but you don't really love those cats. <laughs> either. Like, why would you work in a cat center if you're allergic to cats and you don't even like cats? I know, right? Um, but I, I really did think about this with my own kids because because of my resentment of time and I've never, I mean, really never made an effort to be timely on most levels. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, two of my children are exactly like me. My oldest and my youngest, psh, they could give a shit less about time. They're going to be there when they get there. And they will 
like conform themselves to be able to bypass and be where they need to be on time if they have to be on time. But 99% of the time, especially if it's something like um, the baby shower, like they were 45 minutes late for it. That's, and I had to look and Josie has an open spleen center too. So like they, they, you know, it, and, and Emily, like if it's not something that she's going to miss out on, she's going to be late for it. Michaela, on the other hand, will be 30 minutes early period to everything. No exceptions. If she's not 30 minutes early, she's motherfucking late. She's mad and has mad anxiety about it. Like her anxiety raises through the roof. And this is also my fault because she has a mother who was continuously late. She was late for school. She was late for practices. She was late for art club stuff. She was late for everything. And it was 100% my fault. So that trauma has pushed her pendulum the other way. And well, that's exactly, yeah. I think that's exactly what you said is that the, that they're either going to be fearful and, or they're going to be like, well, like, I think that Josie and Trevor, the party can't start until they're there. So, I mean, the idea is like, it really isn't even a party until they get there. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. And I just looked at everyone's charts in my family too. Coulter has a completely, completely open. There are not any, any gates on his spleen defined at all. And I was reading about that because my book has a teeny tiny little section about the completely open splenic center. And it says when children or adults with a completely open splenic center lose contact with the fears that keep them alive and healthy, they can become insecure and fearful of everything. They do not know what to be afraid of and can also become fearless to the point that they do foolish, risky, and unhealthy things. Um, I just thought that was interesting is that, you know, the, <laughs> they, it'll push them one way or the other. They're all, they'll either be very fearful or maybe they'll ignore that fear to the point of bungee jumping and while on fire or something, you know, just something really <laughs> really really dumb and i kind of i would love to know i'd love to look at the um the the charts of some of the guys on jackass just to see if they're pushing really pat if they're defined and they're aware of the risks but they've calculated the outcome and they're going to do it anyways or because thad is defined my kids are both open thad is defined and what i thought about this was really interesting and we'll get into that is that I'm a scaredy cat for things like I got scared as a child by a very scary movie that really haunted me for a long time. Like couldn't go to the bathroom by myself until I was in middle school. My poor sister had to go with me all the time. Um, but you know, I had a, I had an experience that really triggered that fear and it kind of, um, that kind of conditioned the fear. That's why I think I, even though I'm defined, I do feel like I can take on that conditioning because of trauma, like trauma can still affect someone with a defined center. Thad didn't have that same trauma. So when he, like scary movies is no problem with them. The scarier, the better. In fact, I don't think that there's really legitimately been any movie that has scared him. And maybe that's just, he is so logical that he has that awareness that it is not real at all times. I don't have that awareness that it's not real at all times. So I avoid anything, anything that could scare me, period. 
except for books. I can read a book that scares me. I don't want to visually see it with my eyeballs on a screen. Is it because you can put the book down? Because yeah, there is a control. There is a control. If I start reading something, I mean, you can't, un, it's like, you can't unsee, you can't unread something, but um, I don't feel like my brain is wired to show me the same imagery as if I had been exposed to a lot of horror and gore. And um, there are a few movies that I've seen horror movies and I've seen some horror movies. Like, it's not like I've never watched a horror movie my entire life. I mean, there are some that I can watch and sit through, but um, like the ones that are hyper realism or based on true things. Those are the ones that should be even fucking scarier to people. It's like the things that are based on true things or could really happen. Like anything. With the, that scare me. <laughs> yeah. Like the devil's rejects. No, thank you. Um, the House of a Thousand Corpses, Rob Zombie, you're, I'm sure you're a lovely man, but you are um, awful when it comes to putting out into the world imagery I don't feel is necessary. I don't understand why people feel the need to put imagery into the world that terrifies others. That's just me. That's just my own personal opinion. There's so much that we could be doing with all of that. So yeah. are, we, are we moving into the de definition? Yeah. Okay. All right. You take so, it. I'm going to take it and I'm running. So 55, like we mentioned, 55% of people are defined. I am defined. So um, I kind of, I like these, these centers where we've had that opposite where we where one of us is one. I mean, we, it's great when we are both defined or both open too, but I mean, I kind of like coming at this from here's my, yeah. here's my, experience. Mm -hmm. So defined spleen centers are spontaneous and quick to react. Um, so being witty and intuitive, that is, you know, obviously I, I feel like I fit the bill and they are the light and the life of the party. And so that, um, that instinctual, like knowing what to say after someone says something that, that can also be that instinct is being able, good comedic timing is probably one, which Coulter still has good comedic timing, but that's because he's been raised by a defined spleen. Um, <laughs> defined spleen centers are designed to react specifically to things that it deems unsafe. Sometimes this fear is what drives the defined spleen and driving through those fears is right for the defined spleen. So, that is, I think those things like I'm scared of heights, but if I never get up high, I can never see the beauty below me. So I feel like those are those things that as we learn to listen to the, the spleen and it says, if you go up high, you could fall. It either, you know, that, that we either will take that and say that I won't go high at all, or I'll go high. I will be as safe as possible. You know, you know, again, I say mitigating the risk and finding the balance with, yes, I can be afraid, but I can also face that fear. And I feel like that's another theme. I'm not saying I face all of my fears, but I think that that is something that um, I fear regret more than I fear most of the potential outcomes if I don't do the thing that I would regret. So I feel like that is kind of a, a balance there too. So decisions made with the spleen are gonna be in the moment, but as fast as they come, 
they go away. So this is where the, the gut reaction, like when you feel something, um, it, it really is so fast that if you're not really paying attention or if you're paying attention, but you have a tendency to ignore it, it'll, it'll, you'll ignore it. And the moment that they walk into a space, they will get a gut reaction about the sound, the smell, like all of the senses start taking in that information, which is what, when we talked right before we started the podcast, we said that there's like deer, the instinctual deer thing. So deer are constantly listening and smelling and listening and smelling everywhere that they go looking for danger, being alert to danger. Um, so the sound and smell is really where like we, we, sh we humans aren't the only ones with this center, which is kind of what's funny, but um, that's where animals and humans really kind of come together on this, on this plane of existence. Um, so if, if they should not be afraid to leave a place, if their gut says that this is not the right place for them, the same way a deer would shoot the hell out of a glen that they thought that some, you know, a, a predator was in that, that you should not be afraid to leave something where you don't feel safe. Like that, the fear of what can happen is the conditioning by society. Like, will someone be mad at me if I leave when I don't feel safe? We can't worry about that because ignoring the instinct is what potentially does put us into danger. Um, Have you just, ever, oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you, do you, can you think of a time where you've done that or known that you should have done that? Like walked into a room, a party, a bar, a situation where you're like, Ooh, cause I just, I thought about your sense of smell and I know how sensitive mm -hmm. your nose is. So I'm like, I wonder if she can recall a time where she, smelt something and she knew she should have left, but maybe didn't and can look back and go, Oh, wait a second. Or do you just find a way to go, Hey, we got to go. Um, when you, when you have that. Yeah. I feel like I, I do have that. I, I, let me say, I think that I turned that off so much in pursuit of alcohol. I think that I walked into a lot of situations that I probably shouldn't have been in and that I really turned that instinct off because um, I, I mean, that I, bottom line, I can't really think of a lot of examples of times. I can probably say times that I wish that I would have left. And even then it's not coming to mind, but since getting sober, I just, I feel like I don't think that I've put ever been put into a situation where instinctually I've been like, I think that I've been like, well, this, isn't really right for me. So I'm going to go. It's not really been so much fear or danger oriented so much as I just, this isn't the right place for me. This well, and I feel like the book that I read more into talked about even the fear of your energy being sucked differently. You know what I mean? So if it's not the right place for you, you're probably feeling that if it's not a fear based leaving, it could be a based around what you'll, you know, that the fear of your energy being used incorrectly. Yeah. I think that I just, maybe I, because I do err on the side of no, like I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that because it's unsafe. I feel like I don't even, I feel like I cut it off. I my my, my instincts even kind of cut me off before I even have a, have the ability to feel the fear is that I won't go to the bar so there won't be any 
way to feel the sensation of whether the bar is dangerous or not, mm -hmm. because I just don't go. I'm a, I'm now a very insula, insular, introverted homebody much of the time. And when I go places, it's like a coffee shop or the grocery store. Um, you know, I, I guess I will say, and it's, it's not fear of like, like, Hey, this is going to happen, but I went to a concert. It was my very first sober concert that I went to. I think it was um, cr the crystal method downtown at the pub station. So it was like electronic dance music. And we're sitting there and like, we're listening and I'm enjoying the music. But at one point it kind of dawns on me. And this is after we've had, you know, countless public shootings. And I was like, you know, if somebody walked in here right now with a gun and sprayed this place with bullets, I hope I would be spared the bullets so that I could help other people. Cause I'm one of the only fucking sober people in this room right now. And I mean, that wasn't a logical fear and I feel, but that's like the fear that the media has, is really, it's not even just the media society has imprinted upon me in saying, be fearful of being in public spaces now because the potential that someone could come in with ill intent is so much higher because you're out in public, mm -hmm. you're at home. This wouldn't be even a risk at all. It's just when you're going out. So that's like one thing that kind of came to mind when you asked that question. But I like that this, this next point is like, sometimes it takes years of looking back and seeing that they should have gone with their first instinct and why they didn't before they recognize the gut reaction. And I'm like, I, I don't recognize it because I feel like it's just, I know what's, what's not good for me. And I know what's not good for my kids. And I tell them, you know, that's not safe. You could get, that could hurt you or, you know, that's the tempering itself with, I don't want, I, I don't want there to ever be a day where I ignore the instinct of like, no, Elora shouldn't go off by herself. And then, because my instinct is to never let my kids go off by themselves. Um, so that's what's, that what is really kind of difficult. And then um, defined spleens do have a very strong immune system. Sometimes that this means that they can get sick so little of the time that they may be very sick before they take notice, or they'll simply work through it without stopping to recognize that they're sick. This presented itself and when I was thinking about this because the lymph nodes are part of the system. It's, you know, ties to the lymph, lymphatic system. I had a really strong immune system. Like I wasn't a super sick kid. I didn't really have, I think I had like asthma as a baby because of course my parents were both smokers. It was 1981. So, um, you know, Everyone they didn't, they didn't smoker. know. What? I said, so everyone was a smoker. So everyone was a, you, if you weren't a smoker, you were an odd duck actually. Um, so I was, I was pretty healthy growing up. I don't remember being sick a lot. I remember like, I always talk about the horse pills, like my parents, like there were, I don't remember what it was for. It was probably antibiotics, but they were like really gross and they'd put them into like strawberry jelly. Even now I have a hard time eating like when I'm cleaning the spoon, when I've made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, when I eat strawberry jelly just by itself always tastes like a horse pill, but I had lymphatic cancer when I was 19. And because I was so healthy, I didn't get sick a lot. You know, I, I might've had like a cold every now and then, but you know, never been hospitalized for, for an illness in my entire life. I wasn't hospitalized for anything 
really until I had a baby. I, I did not even say in, in, you know, I never was even admitted to the hospital overnight until I had a baby. Um, if that says anything. And then when I got this lymphatic cancer, it was very, it took me a long time of ignoring the one symptom that I had before I did anything about it. And so that's where I feel like I kind of identified a lot with that is that they get so, they get so sick, so little that I didn't recognize. I was like, what is this? Why do I feel this way? This is so weird, but whatever. I was 19. I was just finishing my first year away at, at, at community college. And um, so I, I, I basically worked through it. And then as soon, what's really fascinating is as soon as we found out that I had cancer. So the day that I had like a CT scan and they saw with contrast, what was going on, the pain that it indicated I had that had given me the clue was gone. I never felt that pain again, the hmm. ch chest pain. Cause it was in the lymph nodes around my aorta. Mm -hmm. I never felt that chest pain again. That's interesting. It is really interesting. It's really, really interesting. And I, you know, I don't know what to read into that. I don't read too, too deeply. I think that obviously our bodies are telling us things and that when we do stop to listen and pay attention and stop just saying like, well, this is inconveniencing to me, which I think is our very 21st century reaction to when our bodies fail us is what a what a piece of shit um, that that's really, yeah, that's what, kind of what happens. So the splenic authority, just because there are definitely some people out there that do have um, this authority, it's really mainly going to be, I believe, projectors. I don't know if anyone else has the splenic, like a, um, like I didn't look to see if manifestors can have splenic authority um, because they're the only other non-energy type with definition, but um, I do know a couple people with the splenic authority. So a couple of my good, good friends, after finding out that they were projectors, I found out they were splenic projectors. And um, I'll just mention, because she, she sometimes listens to the podcast, my friend Lacey is a midwife. And I was really fascinated to find that she had found, um, she, she had first started like as a, she worked she was an EMT. So she was doing like, you know, she was working in an ambulance and ambulatory kind of um, stuff. And then when she became a midwife, I was like, wow, you just really found something that worked so, so well with your human design. Like I love knowing that sometimes when I find someone who naturally has found their way to the thing that is so aligned with their, with their human design. It's beautiful. And so Lacey is that, that rare individual who's already aligned with her human design and her instincts about fear. She's, she's listening to it. She's letting the, the situation, it's not even personal fear. It's really, she is focusing that fear into the mom and into the baby. And, um, watching them and awareness of them. And um, recently she had like an instinct to, well, it wasn't even so much instinct as to say that when someone goes X amount of hours in labor and they have not delivered that they need to then move into a hospital setting. And so that happened. And then 
she was like, oh, you know, the baby came, you know, not long after that, you know, it was just, she kind of was like, I feel like that's our initial feeling is to regret our, to follow the gut instinct sometimes. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't immediately present itself as being the right, the right choice, we tend to doubt that choice. But then what was happening is I said, oh, you know, but I think, uh, and it came out over the course of the, the following 24 hours, that instinct, if she hadn't followed it, if they hadn't done it, you know, there would have been the potential that there could have been a lot more issues and there were some issues. And I was just like, wow, you know, that instinct, when you followed it, even though you, it, you're, you're, you were predisposed to think it was wrong. I was like, wow, isn't it amazing how the more and more you heard about this, this particular case of yours, it, it was absolutely right. Like it was so proof of the right thing. Um, it's just, it was, it kind of blew my mind. And that's where splenic authority is probably, I don't envy anyone with splenic authority. I prefer the wave. I prefer a long burn over a there and gone. It's such a flash with the, with the spleen. It's so there and gone. Um, so easier to be conditioned out of, I think, because mm -hmm. it's so instant, it's just a click reaction and then it's gone. I mean, I feel like society can condition that out of people pretty quickly yep. because, because we have that long emotional wave. It's, it's different and we have more time to think on it. Yeah. Cause we don't make sense of it. If somebody with an emotional wave is being taught, you know, we speak with someone with a splenic authority and they follow an instinct and we're like, what? That's, that's weird. You know, that Cardi B that's weird. Um, that's kind of what we feel like when, when someone is, <laughs> is following their instincts is like, are you sure you want to do that? You might want to wait that out a little bit and give it, <laughs> that's not right for a splenic authority. So even though it's good, well-intentioned advice, it's shit advice to anyone that without the emotional wave. So, you know, a lot of times that is what parents will do, especially like, you know, take, you know, think about it, take some time. And it's like, we, we do, we, we tend to kind of encourage people to simultaneously encourage them to think fast, make fast decisions, think on their feet, and also don't move too fast because you might regret the outcome if you move too quickly. Oh God, there's just no, it's no happy medium. There's no happy mediums. <laughs> well, what did you I guess, find most interesting learning about this, this particular center so far? Well, I thought that it was interesting that it was that initial gut instant reaction. Um, and that um, the people with defined spleens really have it more than us without defined. So, you know, us listening to you guys is probably the right thing. Um, and it's nice that our instincts naturally do that. So if you feel fear, I'm going to amplify that and probably carry us through together because of that. So yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. I also thought it was really interesting with it being that instant snap reaction, how many people have it conditioned out of them. And I'm mm. sure a huge percentage that, that, have been conditioned to not listen to that gut reaction. And I think it's interesting. I, I, I thought it was interesting that the book mentioned 40 because I really do feel like once we turn 40, 
we really start listening to our bodies finally because our bodies are screaming at us saying true you've got to do all these things because i won't last another 40 years if you don't start listening to me and i thought that that was interesting with with this particular center because it's such a gut reaction and I do feel like after I turned 40 that I was way better of listening to my, my guttural responses. So I just thought that that was really interesting that they mentioned a specific age that, that you'd really start being able to hear this or feel it more strongly than you did in your 20s because weren't we all pushing through this shit in our 20s? Yeah, I think that they think, you know, I think that, that the idea that life starts, at, you know, feel like life does kind of start over again at 40. Like we do get a new opportunity, you know, and some people aren't lucky in the sense that they haven't, you know, some people really do ignore like that whole conditioning, ignoring the instinct, um, doing things that, that wear them out, that tire them out, that are um, not right for them. And then continuing to do it because they don't feel empowered to get themselves out of it or, you know, there's lots of things. There's lots of factors, poverty, scarcity, all of these things that happen that, that influence our ability to follow our instincts. Um, and this society's focus on media. I think that that for me, the observation that just kind of popped into my head, I had not, I literally not thought about um, media and, and how that has that, that amplification of the fear until we were having this conversation, but that really was what made kind of a, a something click is that um, we, I don't know how to go backwards though. That's what's so difficult is that as we progress, it's like what I see in those movies about a post, like some kind of apocalypse and then, you know, living in the, in the hellscape afterwards. I, it's not that bad. I, I will say I, I kind of the idea that we could have to, basically downgrade to back to books god would that be that terrible to not have to you know to have to read the written word how many people don't have that skill anymore mm -hmm. how many people how many tiktokers don't know how to write because they just create video content it's like um it's it's, it's very it's an interesting observation that's all that's all it but is. I sit and talk about that for another hour, which I, I won't. <laughs> All right. Well, the last center will be the, the next center that we talk about is going to be the root. And um, that'll be another one that we are in opposition. So yeah. I'm defined. You are open. It'll be fun because I really, I'm, I like, I've, what I've read about the root center is really fascinating. So I think that a lot of people will be really interested to hear like what the center does and kind of a little bit more about it. So I'm excited. Right. Too. You got anything that. else you want to say? Um, not today. I hope everybody has a great week. It's beautiful out this week here. And I'm really excited about this weather. That's less than 90 degrees. Oh yeah, it is. It, you know, especially with fires and things like that, we are really, really in need of some coolness, a little break and, you know, hopefully some rain. So let's pray. Yeah. Send some universal good vibes for some rain, everybody. Absolutely. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.